this church will always hold a special place in my heart, not only because I had the joy of being here as your interim, but as a young boy growing up here in Birmingham, I used to walk from Phillips High School home, and I passed the downtown First Baptist Church. How many of you are members back there? Hold up your hand if you can get them up. <laughs> I see a few hands. Well, it was a great church then. It's still a great church today. And I want to commend you, first of all, for this wonderful choir back here. Choir, you just did great. <laughs> I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of Jeff and Christy for being here with you. And they had on robes. Didn't they look great? <laughs> I thought they looked great. And you've... And you've still got the organ. Don't ever take it out. I'm just giving you my heart. I felt right at home here. And you make me feel that way. And I'm honored to come back and preach again the same sermon. Some of you heard me preach years ago. But Jim asked me to preach come before winter. Let me give you this bit of background. <clears throat> I first heard of Come Before Winter when I read some information about Dr. Clarence McCartney. You probably have never heard of him because he wasn't a Baptist. He was a well-known Presbyterian minister. For a long time, the pastor of the First Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But before that... <clears throat> He created the sermon, Come Before Winter. He first preached it in October of 1915, 108 years ago now. It fell in my hands as a young teenage preacher, and I just put it in a file, thinking nothing of it. It was just another sermon. And years ago, in fact, in 1968, I reached in that file as I was planning the preaching ministry for then the Whitesburg Baptist Church. And I came across Come Before Winter, and it grabbed my heart. What I'm sharing with you today is not his sermon, but his idea, and I give him credit for it. And I have preached it now 55 straight years. Ever since 1968, I have tried the best I could to preach come before winter and always at this time of the year. Look in your Bible, if you will, at just the two verses that Larry has already read to you. 2 Timothy chapter, nine, chapter 4, verse 9 and verse 21. Verse 9 says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. And verse 21 puts it in plain language. Do thy diligence to do what? Say it with me. Come before winter. Why before winter? Well, I think there's both a practical reason and a personal reason. The practical reason is Paul was a well-known traveler all over the Greco-Roman world. You know, founding churches everywhere he went. 
He knew that in the dead of winter, oftentimes the Mediterranean got virtually non-navigable. You couldn't cross it in their means of transportation of that day and time. And that if Timothy didn't come before winter, he'll have to wait and delay getting there. And that leads to the second, the personal reason. Paul had had a premonition he was going to die. Look at it here in this passage. He says, for the time of verse 4 and 6, 7, and 8 along in there. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. Paul was expecting to die. And he knew if Timothy didn't get there before winter, he might never see him again. So the urgency of come before winter is a sermon to encourage us to do things now before it's eternally too late. You know what I'm talking about. You can't wait and just find it when you finally get around to it. You can't do that or else the opportunity is gone. That little short word, come, C-O-M-E, is found no less than 277 times in our Bible. It's a short word, but there's an urgency about it. Come, come, come. What? Come now. Let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. So come before winter. I like all seasons of the year. I hope you do. Whether you like them or not, they're coming. We are in my favorite season right now. We, some people call it fall. I like that word A-U-T-U-M-N. Say it. Autumn, yeah. I don't think the world is ever any more gorgeous than during the time of October, November, when we have autumn around our part of the country. But you know, autumn is also a symbol of the beauty and brevity of life. The world is never any more beautiful than when you look out and see what you see now, that kaleidoscope of colors, the reds, the bronze, the greens, the golds, all amalgamated together in such rich glow. But also, it's our briefest season. Think about it with me for a moment. Autumn begins around the 1st of October. And we here have it here, October, and into November. And it's gone. Two months. We have four, three months for winter. December, January, February. Three months for the spring, March, April, May. Four months for the summer. June, July, August. Only two months for autumn. It's a perfect parable of the beauty and brevity of life's passing opportunities. Things you can do today 
a week from now, a month from now, it'll be too late. They're gone. They're here now, gone forever. Let me quickly just single out three of those with you this morning. In the matter of doing things before winter, number one, in the matter of receiving Christ. Number two, in the matter of sharing Christ. And number three, in the matter of living for Christ. That's what we really want to emphasize. But in the matter of receiving Christ, you can be saved, but not just any time you take a notion. Now's the day of salvation, Paul said. Come now, let's reason together, Isaiah said. Now is the time. If you're not a Christian this morning, and some of you may not be, or you do not know that if you died in the fall of 19, uh, 2023, you'd go to heaven, then listen to this. Come now, let's reason together, saith the Lord. Now is the time of salvation. You can be saved, but not just any time you take an ocean. You can be saved in time to save your life, but too late to save your family. Think about it. I remember several years ago, I was doing one of my favorite things. I was quail hunting down there in Union Springs with a dear friend of mine, a veterinarian. I had his funeral two years ago. We met there and had breakfast. His father, who was an older man, had breakfast for us. We ate, we went out, we hunted. And as we were hunting, he said to me, Charles, would you mind talking to Papa? That was his dad. He was 94 years of age. Said, I've never been able to talk to him. He's not a Christian. Would you mind talking to him when we get back for lunch? I said, Bob, I'll be glad to do that. So soon as we got through with our lunch, I looked at his dad and I said, Mr. Crow, you've known me a long time and I've known you a long time, but I've never talked to you about spiritual things. I want to do that right now if you don't have any problem with it. I assumed he would say yes, and he did. And I said, I want to explain to you, and I pulled out a smaller Bible than this, a New Testament I carried in my pocket. And I said, I want to explain to you from this book how you can be saved today and go to heaven when you die. And I went through the way of salvation in Christ. I started with Romans 3.23. I went to Romans 6.23. I read in Romans 10.9 and 10. And I said, now, Mr. Crow, right here, if you'd like to receive Christ, you can do it today, right here in your house. Nobody but your son and me here. I said, I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then I want to tell you a prayer you can pray. Don't do it because I tell you to, but do it because you want to. And I led in prayer. And then I said, Mr. Crow, would you like to pray, dear Lord? And he picked it up. Woo, I nearly shouted. He said, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and cannot save myself. But right now, the best I know how, I ask Christ to come into my heart and save me. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I shook his hand. I hugged his neck. I told him how proud I was of him. And that old man, 94 years old, was saved right there in Union Springs, Alabama. He lived two more years. He died when he was 96. Now, he came to Christ in time to save his life, but too late to help his, save his family. Two of his sons, beside the one I knew well, were not Christians. They never heard their dad tell them how to be Christians. They never went to church with their dad. He, he was saved in time to save his life, but too late to save those two boys. He came to Christ in time to save his life, but too late to show his love. Here's a man who lived now 96 years. Only two was he a Christian. You can come to Christ in time to save your life, but too late to show your love, too late to save your family. Do it before winter. Come now. Right now, if you're not sure on this Sunday, November the 5th, 2023, that if you drop dead sitting in the First Baptist Church, you'd go to heaven, then right now, ask Christ to become the Lord of your life. Do it before winter, because winter's coming just over the hill. Not only in the matter of receiving Christ, but in the matter of sharing Christ. The Bible tells us, look out on the field, they're white already under harvest, John 4, 35. There are people all over Birmingham, all over Homewood, who right now, this very moment, are lost without Christ. They're your neighbors, they're your friends, you know who they are, they work with you, they go to school with you, and yet never... Have you ever taken time to share with them the simple way of salvation in Christ? You know what I'm talking about. Every one of us have got friends like that. My appeal to you is share it before winter. I had a tragedy in my life that underscored this to me. Back when I was just a young teenager, during the summer, I played a lot of tennis. I had one friend that played with me almost all summer long. His name was Philip. And on Labor Day weekend, the end of the summer, he and I had agreed we'd go to play about Friday before I went out of town with my parents. We played a game. I beat him. After the game, I was putting my stuff in my little bag and I leaned over a Bible about half the size of this fell out of my pocket and my lost friend Philip said what's that and you know what I said I said it's something I want to tell you about I said oh it's just another book I stuck it in my pocket I went home took a shower went downtown where my parents were to pick me up in the corner of Newberry's downtown Birmingham. While I was standing there waiting for my parents to come by, several of the young girls in the community came by and spoke to me and said, 
Did you hear about Philip? I said, yeah, I played with him this morning. They said, yeah, well, no. said, he left there and went home. His next door neighbor, Jimmy, challenged him to play with him Russian roulette. If you know anything about Russian roulette, you know what a stupid game it is. You take a revolver. You put one bullet in it. You spin the revolver, and then you put it to your head and pull the trigger and hope that the bullet's not in line with the firing pin. Philip took the dare, but then he was not too confident, so he opened the gun and saw the bullet was one line over. What he forgot was when he shut it and pulled the trigger, it rotated off, revolved one time. The bullet flew into his head, and when these girls were talking to me in downtown Birmingham, they said, he's in St. Vincent Hospital, not expected to live. My heart sank. I saw that Bible laying on the ground. That man asking me virtually, tell me how to go to heaven when I die. He didn't know he was going to be near death in the matter of hours, but he was. My parents came by about that time, and I got in the car, and we drove to Atlanta for the weekend. When I got home, I opened the Birmingham News, and there on the front page, a small picture of my friend and a write-up about his funeral. I had one single opportunity to tell Philip about Christ, and I blew it, and I lived miserably about it. I'm still uncomfortable telling you the story. I tell that to emphasize to you the importance of doing it now. Several years ago, when I was a pastor at Change Mountains, Jim said, one Sunday in the 1990s, a young man who was an exchange student from Hungary named Stefan Nohammer, he came and sat in the balcony with some of our young people. He then went to the Sunday school class of a dear friend of mine and then went out with the boys to get something to eat. Later, they were traveling down Highway 80. The Ford Explorer, they were driving in hydroplane and went over an embankment and Stefan Nohummer was killed instantly. I told this story in Alabaster not long ago. And one of the policemen there came up and he said, Dr. Carter, I was on duty that weekend. I helped get Stephen out of the car. I remember him because he was an exchange student. I don't have to tell you, I don't know anything at all about his salvation. But as far as I know, he was not a Christian. He came here from Hungary, an exchange student. I went back and listened to that sermon when he was sitting in the balcony. Last sermon on earth, anywhere he heard. I said it, I preached it. And I listened to see sure that in that sermon I said something about Jesus Christ being the one and only way of salvation. I did. I felt comforted by that. The Sunday school teacher who had him in class told me later he did the same thing. And in Sunday school, he heard the gospel. 
but I never knew anything he did to indicate he made any kind of response. He was in our church on Sunday morning, dead Sunday afternoon, come before winter. In receiving Christ, in sharing Christ, but also in living for Christ. I'm talking about your life and my life. When we leave here this afternoon, we're going our separate ways. You'll remember the worship service at your church, I hope. And I hope you'll remember part of this sermon on the passing of life's opportunities. Things that are here today and gone forever. There are things that we can do now. A day from now, a week from now, a month from now, much less a year from now, they'll be gone forever. And I appeal to you, do it now. You know what I'm talking about. Right now, in our relationship to one another, in our relationship to Christ, in reforming our character. You know what I mean? Hear me carefully. In your character, you are today what you are becoming forever unless you make a conscious decision to change. Whatever you are in character, I don't know what it is, only you and God know. But whatever your character is today, November the 5th, 2023, you are in the process of becoming forever unless you make a conscious decision to change your character. You can change your character, but not just any time to take a notion. Do it now while there's still time. Not just in reforming your character, but in repairing broken relationships. Is there someone somewhere that you have a broken relationship with right now? I mean, you don't speak to them. They once were your friend. Now, something happened. It broke the relationship. There's animosity there. Sometimes people let that go on forever and ever and ever and ever. Don't do it. Take care of it. Right? Now, with your family, your family needs to hear you say, I love you. Amen? Amen. Then do it before the day is over. I know people who never, ever hear that. Several years ago, Ann Landers printed a letter in our paper. You may have read it. It was from a father who said, Ann Landers, how right you were when the man asked, how old should your son get before you stop kissing him? And you had a one-word reply, never, how right you were. And then he went on to say, I kissed my son last night for the first time. Unfortunately, he didn't know it. He was dead. He had taken his own life. 
I will never get over my stupidity. I treated my son like my father treated me at arm's length. I thought it was not macho to kiss your son. How wrong I was. Now hear me carefully. People are waiting for you to say to them, family members, honey, I love you. I appreciate you. Maybe your wife needs to hear that. Honey, I appreciate what you did in cleaning up the house, taking care of the children, changing the diapers, taking care of all the things that go along with running a household. Thank you. I love you with all my heart. They need to hear it from your lips and from my lips before it's too late. At their funeral, you can't do it. If they get sick and die, it's too late. Do it now. And with your time, say to your loved ones, say to your children, say to your parents, I love you. I appreciate what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's much right with that. And there's much satisfaction that comes by doing it before winter. The specific objective of this sermon on the passing of life's opportunities is to compel you to take advantage of life's opportunities now while we have time. The smallest deed done is better than the biggest intention left undone. Will you bow together with me for just a moment? Heads bowed, eyes closed. I don't know what you feel in your heart you may need to do today. If you're not a Christian, I would encourage you with all my heart, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Today, today, you say, well, I've joined the church. I'm not talking about joining the church. I'm talking about making him the Lord of your life. If you're already a Christian, but you'd say, Charles, there's a rupture in my relationship with someone. I need to get it right. Make up your mind right now. You're going to take the initiative and do it. Maybe there's someone that needs an encouraging word. I mean, your Sunday school teacher, your deacon, your pastor, your staff, anyone. They may need just an encouraging word. From you. I got a note yesterday on my a text from a young man in our church at Shades Mountain. His first words were, Hey Dr. Carter, I don't need anything. <laughs> and I thought, Glory be, I'm writing to say I love you and appreciate you. Thank you for having an influence on a little boy's life. 
when his daddy had died. I had his dad's funeral soon after I got to Shadesman. This is a young man now, married with children of his own, just reaching out to say, thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. Look, there are people all over this church. They need to hear from you and you and you and you to say to them, while it's still before winter, I appreciate what you meant to me. Maybe you need to go to them as soon as this service is over. Take a moment and say, I love you. Thank you with all my heart for caring for me. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads in gratitude to you for prompting our thinking today about the passing of life's opportunities. Thank you, dear Lord, that you give us the opportunity of doing things now while there's still time. Lord, forgive us when we've been negligent. Forgive us when we put it off. Forgive us when we've waited. Help us to act and to act now in receiving you, in sharing you, and in living for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you stand together with us? The pastor's going to be here at the front. As we sing the invitation hymn, I invite you to move out and make the decision God lays upon your heart or to go to someone nearby and say, I love you. I thank you for what you meant to me.
What a great day we have shared together. You know, one of the things I say all the time is, you know, we clap for the choir and we clap for the instrumentalists. Nobody ever claps for the preacher. <laughs> but let's do today. Thank you, Dr. Carter, for coming and being with us on this very special day. And what an incredible opportunity and privilege. But more than that, what an incredible message we've heard. And my prayer for you is not that you walk out of this place and say, I got to hear Dr. Carter preach come before winter, but that you walk out and say, you know what? The Lord has challenged me. Maybe you're leaving today and you're recognizing I need to, to know Christ I need to live for Christ. I need to share Christ. And God's already put on your heart, and this is what I need to do. And I pray for you that you will follow through on what God has told you to do through the message of this messenger. It's been a great time. And uh, just a moment, Judith, I'm going to ask you if you'll help Dr. Carter and Mike and Go to make a way to the lobby so that they, you can have a chance to go by and speak to him and tell him how much you appreciate not just today's message, but the incredible ministry that he has shared. So if you'll just let them make their way out. A couple of things I want to share with you as they're making their way out. Uh, let me remind our deacons that this coming Tuesday is Deacon's Banquet. We're looking forward to it. We've got a great crowd coming, and we're going to have a wonderful time. It's another one of those times when uh, the staff is going to be cooking steaks for the deacons, and we look forward to that. That's always a privilege for us every year. So we look forward to that. And let me remind you that tonight is the night when we are moving beyond Andy under the stars, and I guess we're back to Jim under the sanctuary. We'll be back in the fellowship hall, and we'll be picking up in Romans again. We look forward to that. Now, I, I've Sometimes you just need to be bribed, and since we've been away from the fellowship hall and I need to bribe you to come back, I should also tell you we got a lot of popsicles and ice cream left from last Sunday night, and I'm going to pull it out tonight. So you come to Bible study, and I don't mind feeding grown-ups ice cream if that's what it takes to get us all back to church. So we look forward to that. And that's going to be a very special time. About seven years ago, I asked Dr. Carter if he would be a part of a search committee uh, for our association as we looked for a new executive director for Birmingham Baptist. And that committee worked together well, and we identified three people that we thought, three candidates that we thought uh, would be exceptional candidates to lead Birmingham Baptist. And we met with our first candidate, and after that meeting, Dr. Carter was the one who said, I just don't see any need for us to talk to anybody else. We have found our man, and he's here with us today. So I'm going to ask Dr. Chris Crane to come, our executive director for Birmingham Metro Baptist Association, and to pronounce our benediction, and then following that, one last song. Dr. Crane, come and lead us. God bless you. Could we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this honor and this pleasure of coming in your presence today. We thank you that you're not only a transcendent creator, but you're an eminent savior. And we have sensed your presence through the power of the spirit this morning. And I pray that we would do as your word says, 
that we would go out from this place in just a moment, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. And I'm thankful for Dr. Carter, who made it clear to us that time is of the essence. And so, Lord, take this word, this experience that we've had in your presence, and may it propel us out into this week. We love you. We praise you. We ask that you bless everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen.